The Natural Hat Trick, hosted by Luke Lipinski and Craig Morgan. Welcome to episode 189 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Natty Hattie. And Matt Lehman. And Jamie Eisner. Yeah, I'm here too, Luke. I'm Luke Lipinski. And I'm confused. We're all confused when Jamie walked in. Yeah, it was a very awkward Crash my own podcast. Crash my swing line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the kind of show it's going to be. Let us start, gentlemen and Jamie, in the Eastern Conference, shall we? Okay. All right. I'm glad you're listening to Craig's pre-show instructions. Yes. No, those are my instructions to myself that I said out loud. Sure. The Columbus Blue Jackets, who are all in. 77 points in 66 games. All out of the playoffs right now. 77 points in 66 games, that would get you, you'd be in the running, you'd actually be in third place in the Central Division if you were in the West. But they're not, and they're not in the playoffs right now. (sighs) Yeah, we've we've discussed this already. Uh, The the, the decision to go all in with a team that's not a cup contender. I, I don't know what's at play here, if there's job security at play here, if you're you're pandering to the fans, but not trading Artemi Panarin for the in- sizable assets you would have acquired in return. I think was a mistake. But if you miss the playoffs, it's a really bad look. Yeah, it's it just the scale of how big of a disaster this is. Because if you make the playoffs, could be. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you make the playoffs, it's a little bit less of a disaster. If you win a couple rounds, and you're fine. Like we've, we've we've kind of established, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals semi justifies your decision there. If you miss completely. It is one of the biggest disasters of not not training a player that we have seen this decade. Well, I feel like also not only that, but you look at the guys that they traded for, specifically Duchesne and Zingle. Like those guys have done almost nothing since they've gotten to Columbus, and that's what makes it even worse. Is if if you were in the position that you're in, but those guys were putting up a ton of points, then maybe you could say, well, uh, what are you going to do? But you traded for these guys, and they've done very little. Those two have combined for a goal and four assists in 12-man games played. It's not great. It's like they brought the Ottawa to Columbus. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a great point, because not only did you not get assets in return for your star players, you gave up assets to get other players to make a push that you are now not making. I don't like Jamie and Matt working together and telling each other they're making great points, and I don't like where this is going. That's a great point, Jamie. See, I hate that. uh, A couple things, though. Columbus, I, I feel like they underestimated how high the bar was to clear to get in in the East, and we talked about this a month or so ago. It's yeah, the the Metro is there for the taking, and it still is. Even now, what Columbus has 77 points. Washington now, they've been winning some games. They're eight points ahead of Columbus for first in the Metro. But just to get in the playoffs, Montreal and Pittsburgh both have 79 points. Those are the two wild cards right now. Again, Columbus, 77 points would be third in the Central ahead of St. Louis. But you have to recognize where you are. They absolutely could miss the playoffs. And we talked about this with the Coyotes. People wanted them to go out and make this big trade for somebody it takes a few weeks sometimes for guys to fit in. Trade deadline is what's like six and a half weeks before the end of the mm-hmm. season. I mean, even if these trades were good trades for Columbus, we might not know for another three weeks, and that might be it. Although they get Pittsburgh twice this week, so they can pull right back into this. At least Duchesne and Dezingle are signed beyond this season. Oh, wait. <laughs> Sarcasm. Huh? Seriously, what happens if they miss the playoffs and all three guys walk? What, what is Columbus is looking that, like then? Is oh. that now not the most likely scenario? Well, I still think they'll make it. Because they're probably going to lose Bobrovsky. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So you lose four guys. Yep. I still think they'll make it, and I wouldn't want to play them in the first round when they do make it, but 
it's it's certainly possible that they could miss. I mean, they're like we just said, they're all they're out, out of it right, right now. now. So my best Craig Morgan voice, who who's who misses out? That's a follow up. Who who do they get in for? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really want Carolina to get in. I, Carolina, I, I love this in. story. They're they're in. Yeah. I love this story, and I, I want them to be in because I want to see Don Cherry lose his mind. Yeah, I want them to some... I guess there is a scenario where they could, if they just keep rolling and won the Metro and played Montreal in the first round? Definitely not out of the question, although I think the Caps are starting to play really good hockey. It looks like they're they're waking up and... Starting time. to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that, and that can happen, right, with a with a cup hangover. And when you're in this situation, they're fortunate in the way that they're they're in the Metro this season. They're, they can still do what they're doing right now and win the division and be in a great position. Uh, the other thing I would say, though, with Columbus, it looks terrible if they miss the playoffs. And, and that, I don't think it would cost the GM his job. But, I mean, it's certainly something to look at. I don't think, though, once you get into next year that they're going to be terrible if that happens. They still have Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski and Cam Atkins. Like, they still have a decent team. But... I wouldn't project them to make the playoffs. I would year. not either. No, but I think I think we're seeing signs of life in Philadelphia with Carter Hart there. Yeah, uh, you know, I just they're not even out of it yet. If anything, though, Luke, that almost makes the point that maybe they shouldn't have done what they did, Columbus. Because oh, I agree. If you have those guys, like if you have a an aging team with a lot of really good veteran players, and you want to say we have one more chance at a window here to make a push, maybe you can justify going out and acquiring those players. But the fact that they do have those guys you mentioned in Pierre-Luc Dubois, like they've got young guys on that team that can make them a pretty good team for a long time. And if anything, that just further proves the point that maybe they should have just sold the assets that they had and built for two or three years down the road. They, they had, if they had stuck to a long-term plan, I think mm-hmm. they were in a good position. to. I'm not going to say they would win the Cup in two or three years, but they'd be in position, I think, to make a run in two or three years. Because at some yeah. point, Ovechkin's not going to be what he is, and Washington's going to trail off, and Pittsburgh's going to trail off. That could have been their division. Yep. Yeah. And I still think they'll be, I think they'll just be this next year, fighting yeah. for a playoff spot. That's why you just don't get it. You don't get why all of a sudden he abandoned it. You, I, we, we obviously don't see everything that's happening behind the scenes, but this is going to need to be fleshed out after the season, especially if they miss in those you know postseason press conferences. Figuring out what he was thinking, what ownership is thinking of what he was doing, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's really hard to make sense of this move, especially when you can look from the outside and realize this is not a cup contender. The one part where I would play devil's advocate on that though is that if you feel like you have a team where free agents don't want to come, and you already have two good players in Bobrovsky and Panarin who don't even want to come back and resign with your team, if if that's the case. Then that part I justify it. If you look at your young core and you go, well, we're not probably going to go out and sign a bunch of really good free agents later. We've got two of them on our team already, so let's use them all. We've got them. That's the one part that I would understand. But yeah, kind of a tough look if you don't even make the playoffs. Yeah, this is why I think it's it's so critical for upper management ownership to truly be able to pinpoint where you are in the progression timeline. You need to be honest with yourself. Yes, and you have to be because you have. If you're a cup contender, then yes, you go for it because no matter what move you make, no matter how many picks you make, it's not. It'll all be worth it if you win a cup. Like that's that's the clearly thing. Like everything that's going on in Chicago right now, we've talked about this before. Ring the bell. I don't know where it is. It's worth it because you know why they have three rings for it. So that makes all those decisions. Ah, I found it. Jeez, I was Thank like you. aggressive. Well, I never get was, to ring the bell. The, the problem is when it's not so much about even if they make Craig the took playoffs. Taking the bell away from me. Taking the cowbell away from Luke. That was uh, that was embarrassing. Even if they make the playoffs and they lose in round I one, regret nothing. you have to look long term. And long term, next year, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, they are objectively worse than they could have been because they decided to keep these guys. Yes. So now you are saying, 
what we are doing this year needs to justify making our team worse for the next two, three, four, five plus years, potentially. Maybe a little worse, maybe a lot worse. We don't know what hypothetically what they would have gotten back. The problem is, is they're not in close to getting to a cup. I, I just, to me, this is what you have to be honest with yourself about. I could see them winning a playoff series because if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to finish the season fairly strong. Uh, but also, I, 95 points might not get you in in the Eastern Conference. I mean, what Montreal has. Let's okay. Pittsburgh, seventy-nine points, sixteen games left. So if they just if they go five hundred the rest of the way, that's ninety-five points. That might not get you in. Same with Montreal, and Columbus is two points behind them. I could see Columbus getting in, probably at the expense of Montreal, and then upsetting yeah. certainly the Islanders in the first round. Maybe maybe Washington. I mean, they they will have a good team if they get to that point and pull it together. But they're not going any deeper than that. Yeah. I don't know what's going to play out here. I mean, I, I look at Carolina, and we're all assuming that they're going to get in because they, they've been playing very good hockey for a while here. They always do this in the second half. Sure. Sure. They just started earlier this year. I mean, we'll see. But also, uh, you know, another team we need to talk about is, is the Islanders. Are, are the Islanders secure yet? For a long while, we were, were handing them the division. It looked like they were going to win the division. I'm not sure that's going to happen now. I'm not sure they're going to hold off Carolina. Are they going to be able to hold off these other teams? Now, the NHL schedule makers just granted them a home-and-home with Ottawa, which really helps. But they're, they're not out of the woods by a long shot here yet. And, and on that point, it, Barry Trotz just won his 800th game to join – a very select company of coaches. Um, but we talked about him as being a shoo-in for the Jack Adams Award, which, by the way, should be renamed because Jack Adams was a jerk, and we can get into that later. More like jerk <laughs> Adams, apparently. Yeah. But if he, if somehow the Islanders fade here, if they fall out of the playoff picture, what happens with that award? I, I still have a hard time believing they're, they're going to fade all the way out. I mean, I know technically there's only, what, six points between them and Columbus? I think they finished third in the Metro. I still think they're behind second. Carolina. Yeah, I think it goes Washington, Carolina, and the Islanders. And then we get that Carolina-Islanders matchup we were all hoping for at the start of the year. So back to my hypothetical. <laughs> I, I mean, if they fall completely out and he doesn't get the jack, I'm trying to think who would... Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure who else. I mean, Most national media have already anointed him. Yeah. Why doesn't John so, Cooper get any talk? Well, uh, I think you should talk about effect. that with Matt Lehman, because oh. Matt Lehman doesn't get why Jun- I John guess Cooper's in the conversation. <laughs> Bill Peters would be the... Yeah. the Bill Peters is there? definitely a consideration. Right? I, mean, I think Rick Tockett should be a consideration. If, but they, if they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs. Yeah, if, I, if they don't, I don't think I think if New York and Arizona both miss the playoffs, then I think you pretty much have to give it to either maybe like John Cooper or uh, Bill Peters. Peters but, will get it. Cre- uh, yeah. Craig and I were just talking about this the other night with um, John Cooper and whether or not he's deserving. I I think that's an interesting point because I, I i think you know my personal opinion probably not i don't know how you could give a guy a coach of the year when you're coaching that team um i, I was telling craig that I, for me a coach of the year award in any league should be given to the coach whose team most exceeded expectations that's typically what happens. and that and, and that's what it is it's not the best coach it's the best coach relative to expectations yeah. but if they finish with the 130 points they're on pace for I mean, that's managing the. I'm not saying he should win, but I haven't even heard his name tossed out there. Oh, I have, and, have and that's yeah, and that's that's the thing that you have to consider here. It's just the degree to which they are boat racing the rest of the league right now. They're this is an historic season Tampa's putting together. You can say, yeah, they they've got a great amount of talent. You still have to coach that talent. You still have to get the most out of it. They've lost 12 games in regulation. 12 games. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. I mean, they've had the division yeah. locked up for two months, and they're, it's not like they're trailing off. Yeah. Now, they may trail off in the playoffs they, like they did last year. They really put it to Winnipeg the other night. Yeah, it treated Winnipeg like they weren't even there. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. steamrolled right. I, I haven't seen it. 
When's the last time you saw a team this dominant in the NHL in the, in the regular season? The Blackhawks in the uh, coming out of the lockout. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't lose a game for months. Hmm. It felt like now that's all they do. Or like the, or the peak Red Wings teams. I, I don't ring the bell when you don't, I compliment you don't, the Blackhawks. No, but I said now that's all they do is lose. My bad, Jamie was talking over you like he does uh, from time to time. Typically, what he will do. Uh, anything else on the Eastern Conference before we move forward? I will. I will say also for the Islanders, you, you mentioned that they get a home and home with Ottawa. Also, they benefit from the fact that Pittsburgh and Columbus are playing a home and home with each other. So one of those teams is going to lose either two games or they're going to split or whatever. I mean, I guess the three point game is the worst. So, how did you uh, feel about the uh, John Tavares treatment? By the way, yeah, we haven't done a show since then, have we? We have not. not. It was a little over the top. It was embarrassing. That's a good word. It it was embarrassing. Another great point by Matt. Thank you, Jamie. But no, it was a a disgrace. This backfired. I think you and me are having a great show today. I I think we are, too. I think you guys could go have a great show in a different room. (laughs) Are there mics actually on? What? Are there mics actually on? on? No. Okay. (laughs) Just let me talk. Have these awkward gaps in the show. It it was disgraceful. Like, yeah. It really was. It was disgraceful. Like, like there, there's a level of sports fandom that, like, I'm okay with. Like, you know, you go up to a certain point of just unreasonability and just, like, mental cases that... Is that a word? Are, yeah. Okay. I made it one now. Right. This was a little bit beyond that. You're I, from New York? I yeah. mean, is that really that much of a surprise? Yeah, well, it's Long Island. Listen, I get to the point where... It, <laughs> When when fans start throwing things on the ice, then I'm then I'm done. Yeah, that was bad. That's you can't do that. Yeah. The one yeah. thing I keep hearing a lot in response to what you just said is, well, it wasn't everybody, and that's true. Only a few people threw things on the ice out of the thousands that were there, yep. and the many more that were watching on TV. But at the end of the day, I think the sentiment from Islanders fans is that John Tavares should not have done what what he did, which is. It, I've heard the case be made that oh well he led the team to believe that he was coming back and then he didn't come back and he took a bunch of money somewhere else. Maybe I understand that, but at the end of the day, who isn't going to go where they want to go for their situation? He he still, I'm sure, would have made plenty of money if he had stayed in Long Island. Sure. There's no doubt about that. But it, it's kind of ridiculous when you're going to tell a guy that, that he shouldn't have made a decision for himself to go back home. And not only that, but they're chanting, we don't need you, which... Sure, in hindsight, that's great because the Islanders are pretty decent without him. But nobody thought that the Islanders were going to do anything this year after losing John Tavares. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of silly to sit here and be like, oh, well, we didn't need you anyway, and you stink, and you're a loser. Yeah, no. You got, you got the nice little win there. That, that, that's cute. Yeah, karmically yeah, for the Islanders. But, but long term. I could see them like not winning another game for the rest of the season. It just, <laughs> it, that's the sort of feel it had that night, because it kept going. At first, it was like, okay, good. You know, you're going back to New York. You should hear it from New York or Long Island fans or whatever. And uh, burning a jersey is idiotic, but whatever. Do it. Like It's not that's hurting anybody. For attention but now. when you're yeah. throwing stuff at the player on the ice, and yeah, it, was, it wasn't everybody. It was a couple people. I, I don't care. I, I This week has been a reminder of how much fans in the Northeast and Canada that aren't in Toronto hate the Maple Leafs. But uh, so uh, there was it was mostly entertaining to me, except the throwing stuff at the player. But uh, I was watching it that part of it with one of the Coyotes players. And he's like, they're in first place. What are they doing? Yeah. By the end of the night, it felt like we're going to have a 30 for 30 in 10 years of like, <laughs> remember when the Islanders had this night and then finished last in the league the next nine seasons? Like karmically, that it's not great sports karma. Karmically. I like that one. Yeah, and look, there's a bigger discussion to be had here about sports fandom, labor, and all the things that go into that because we mm-hmm. see this across the board. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the best forum for it, but this is the best forum for everything. The, the, just if, if we just want to make it simple here, not that this was ever justifiable, but he didn't demand a trade. He literally fulfilled in its entirety the contract that he signed, became a free agent, and signed elsewhere. Like, like, well, and I would also add, the Islanders didn't put pieces around him ever. 
I mean, look, I get it from the Islanders' perspective. You are you're the Rangers' little brother. You you thought that guy was coming back. I get the frustration, and I'm fine letting them hear it all game and chanting "You suck," which they did, and various other things throughout. Fine with all that. The only thing where you cross the line in my mind is throwing jerseys at them. Also, that awful video. Yeah. Like it, it, it's not that it was it was harmful. It was just. I had to watch it with my own eyes, and I, I don't deserve to be punished like that. Yeah, well, I would say you do, actually. We're going to have a Dear Jamie video here in a couple weeks, and it's going to be outstanding. <laughs> All right, over to Just the... Just like uh, we're going to have drops on our show? Uh, yeah, sure. We'll get those, too. Eventually, <laughs> we will. Uh, to the Western Conference. Before we get there, though. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. You, you want to talk about your Penguins or not? How confident are you right now that yeah, they... Yeah, we did leave them off. Make I'm the playoffs. surprised that you didn't bring them up. Um, they seem to be... Well, Crosby, what, 25 points in the last 12 games? Mm-hmm. If you're asking me, I mean, they're two points into a playoff spot right now. I'm confident in Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, and Latang if he returns. They That's not Columbus a whole tonight, team. Don't they? You didn't mention goaltending, surprisingly. Well, they don't have any. <laughs> when they get some, I'll mention the <laughs> goaltending. Uh, they just, they, they, what, they're 8 2 and 2 in their last, or they're 6 2 and 2 in their last 10, but I, I think they've won, they're on a pretty decent run, actually. I think they're 8 2 and 2 in their last 12. Yeah. Um, That's, that's nice. It's mostly one line. Can they do any damage if they get in? Let's assume they're going to be the top wild card team, just for sake of argument, because that's where they are now. Do you can you see them doing any damage, or is this just one last gasp? They could beat the Islanders. In? Okay, and they could beat. But can they Carolina. beat a non-Islanders? Because I know everyone here's. I don't know about Matt's opinion, but everyone here is lower on the Islanders than I am. Just ask Matt; he's right there. I, I will, but I, I was going to sidebar here, but. Can they beat a playoff team that's not the Islanders? Because I think like the Islanders are your team. They're like, oh yeah, they're going to lose. I think they can beat any team in the Metro. Okay. I, I would also say too, personally, I'm a big fan of teams having like playoff experience. Like I, I, for me personally, I put a lot into that. I think it's a big deal that they've been there and done it before, and I think yeah. that'll help them. That's another good point. No, but it, it's true. We've we've, up, ta- we've talked about it with young teams that <laughs> this is just getting gross. The progre- <laughs> but we've talked about this it on the show before. The progression of young teams that you rarely just get into the playoffs and get to the cup the first time unless you're Vegas. Yeah, okay. you know. Otherwise, you have to go in, you lose a couple times, and you go back in with more experience and you go a little bit further. I understand how it works. Non-linear progression, yeah. Luke. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into the West, would you like to fawn over Matt anymore? <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to? I'm say? I'm used to it. I like his hoodie. Okay. Thank you. Uh, is it a Philadelphia Eagles hoodie? I can't see it from where. No, it's a Phoenix Rising. Yes, I am wearing a Phoenix Rising. Oh, hoodie. look at you oh, pandering! Wow. You're so pandering on this show right now. And Jamie's got another. Matt is pandering to the soccer audience that the rest of us ignore. That's uh, another not. You're a minor Eagles. league team. I said it. You're a minor league <laughs> team. Craig doesn't ignore you. He that is verbally attacks. Craig S. Morgan on Twitter. Yes. You yes. know what I like to not do? Not the country music singer, but attack the country music singer as well. I really enjoy going to Phoenix Rising games on a nice uh, summer night and having a, a cool IPA. Under the stars. <laughs> Next and, to your bearded uh, friends. Yes. yes. Your bearded friends. We all watch some soccer. <laughs> you guys, and in the intermissions, do you look through like home decor magazines at all the shades of gray that you can decorate your house in? <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Save it's the beautiful. show, Luke. I can. Yes. Because yes. I, I don't At know. Craig S. Morgan. Come at me, Phoenix Rising fans. I do have a mute button, though. Speaking of IPAs, just to get off on a complete tangent. Sure, why not? Ruin like Luke's morning. To show here anyway. Did you see there was a Lucky Charms IPA that came out? Yeah, I did. Oh, a Lucky Charm Marshmallow IPA. Sad. I don't know if I would go for that. Yeah. That sounds uh, I, I'm going to pass on that Pathetic. one. Oh, that's even too disgusting for Matt to drink. Mm. Think about that. <laughs> Over to the Western Conference. Yes. Where uh, I've identified three teams that I'm pretty sure are trying to screw the Coyotes over. So mm-hmm. you help me out. Okay. First of all, Calgary, clearly, because they beat the Coyotes every time they play, and Mike Smith doesn't play well against the teams around. I mean, he left the game. Literally any other team. Again, the, the, the game against Minnesota, he... On the ice, in goal, just left so Minnesota could score a huge goal. So on that play, this is the classic Mike Smith, and, and we've talked about this a lot in the past about 
you don't see a lot of the little things that he does when he plays the puck behind the net that doesn't show up in the box score. But the, one of the things he does that just infuriates me is he doesn't know when to cut his losses. And yep. that play, if you if you didn't see the play, he's still trying to dig the puck out from behind the net when he's got a teammate and like two wild players there. Yeah, like at that point you've lost. Get back in net. Yeah, but it doesn't one. hurt Calgary. It just hurt the Coyotes. Yeah, that was the most egregious part to me. It wasn't even that he just went on a little you know tangent and just decided to go wherever. It was that he had a teammate there. Yeah, and he's still just standing there. What are you doing? Like he's a defenseman trying to just to dig the puck out. Like if he if he does dig the puck out with all that traffic there, what is he going to do with it? Exactly. What's your best case scenario? The, the, the risk versus reward is it's it's uh yeah it's it's like if 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 you were a team that had to give up your first round pick and you decided to keep the number four and take Brady Kachuk when you're probably gonna have Jack Hughes the next year. Uh, St. Louis is another one. They beat the Coyotes. They've won how many games here in the last month? I'm trying to pull it up on this 1935 computer. Been play- well, they haven't been playing well. No, they haven't been playing well against Minnesota and Dallas. They've been playing well against everybody else. They just keep losing to the teams right around the Coyotes. Well, and then they did what they did last night. Yeah, which really hurt. They were losing to Anaheim with almost. They were almost down to a minute left in the game. They were down mm-hmm. a goal and they scored two goals in the last one o whatever. And I, I, I had identified St. Louis as a team that that was in some trouble because they had cooled off quite a bit from that hot streak and they were not of the woods yet. And then they go and do that, and it's just that that's been happening to the Coyotes a lot. They're not getting help from anyone. It, it, it Colorado has. rallies. Colorado's all in the last minute. Colorado minute and, and Minnesota in the last two weeks have been down in the third period of games against inferior teams that have come back to win or force overtime like i feel like 90 percent of the time here's st louis in their last 18 games okay and and in doing this they vaulted into third in the central still a place the coyotes could feasibly catch them they're 14 three and one three of the four losses have come to dallas minnesota and dallas of course thanks guys single-handedly st louis and calgary are keeping the coyotes out of the playoffs and this is the problem when you have to jump so many teams and this is where i probably should have listened to craig I'm not going to say that again, but that's where I should have done that a couple weeks ago when we were about the Blackhawks ring the bell. Um, about when you have so many teams you have to jump that even when you get on a hot streak. <laughs> that was a me- very dainty bell ring. Even when you get on a hot streak, I ring you can like still find fryer. yourself in trouble. Yes, yes. you can. It, but it's it's painful the way it's happening. Like Craig just mentioned, Colorado comes back with a couple with scores with like a minute left and then wins it in overtime. St. Louis last night scores twice to come from behind in the last minute and a half and win. And the stat I heard, I don't know if it's right, it's the first time they've ever done that, ever, in the history of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Minnesota has made a habit of doing it here over the last couple weeks where they're down with a minute left, they come back and either either win or at least get a point in overtime, which is what the Coyotes need to start doing. If they're going to lose games, they have to get a point in overtime. And as we've noticed, uh, mentioned before, Minnesota is ruining the playoffs for everyone simply by getting into them because yeah. nobody wants to watch the Wild play again. No. Nobody wants to watch the Wild lose to Nashville in the first round mm-hmm. in five games. Yes. Uh, How about that too? A team that like sold off a couple pieces and now they're yeah yeah they have the, no chance of doing anything when they get there and no, take a spot just, from Arizona or Colorado. Like just good enough to show up to the party. That's the sad thing too. I, when I, when I look at the Coyotes, look with all or should I say Coyotes? The Coyotes. The Coyotes. Say right. With all that they've done this year, with all they've overcome. When they get to the playoffs, Michael Grabner's coming back in one of these next two games. We already know that. So you're down three players. Derek Stepan could be back for the start of the playoffs. Nick Schmaltz could be back in the playoffs, too. This, you got to get there. Yeah, yeah you got to get there. But it would be it would be really interesting to see what this team is capable of, of course, if they don't have to play Calgary in the first round. Yeah, if I'm not Calgary, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to play the Coyotes in the first round because they are just... They hang around in every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They defend so well. Also, I was, we're recording this on a Thursday. I haven't just decided that, like most of Twitter, that the Curtis have already lost two games in a row. Like, I've seen that narrative out there a lot. I Calgary think. did play last night. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Calgary played last night, and it's the NHL. We see 
far superior teams lose to teams that are 10 points below them in the standings constantly. And they'll probably have a response game tonight, too. They've lost three games to Calgary already by a yeah. combined score of 18-4 to this year. Calgary played last night, and the Coyotes just played their worst game of the whole Yeah, that, wasn't, that was far. not a great so performance. Those are that. things working in their favor. And if Michael Grabner's back in the lineup, that can give you a shot in the arm, albeit you can't rely on him for too much. But no. it's there's some energy there. Also, so we'll see. Interesting thing about Calgary, in their last 14 games, they have a four-game losing streak, a seven-game win streak, and a three-game losing streak. Yeah, yeah so, I, I don't trust Calgary in the playoffs. And they're a very good team. Oh, that goaltending! I don't. Tr- I trust them in the first round, but I don't trust them against like San Jose. And, and I think that that's where things get interesting here because you look at the wild card teams, the potential wild card teams, taking Colorado out of the equation. You look at goaltenders that have the chance to steal a series against one of these top teams. Like, can Devin Dubnik still steal steal a series? I think he can. Can yeah. Kemper, the way he's been playing since January one? Yeah. Can can Ben Bishop? I haven't been overly impressed by anybody in the West since the last time we did this show. That's the other side of this. Is I've, I've been thinking about who's coming out of it, and the way Winnipeg and Nashville are playing, they just haven't looked very impressive lately. To me, with, with Calgary's goaltending issues, you can poke holes in just about every team. I'm, I mean, I, I identified San Jose at the start of the season as a, as a team to watch because of the addition of Eric Carlson, obviously. They might be the team that I'm sticking with right now because I, I, I see real problems with these other teams right now. I don't know what's and up they're with getting Winnipeg. Better. I haven't figured that one out. Yeah. Winnipeg feels, they just feel flat. And and they're not a team like Washington that can just turn it on in the playoffs. Or maybe they are, but I haven't seen it. Patrick Laine really hasn't. He's, he's, hasn't had, a, he's had a low-key poor the, season. See uh, the athletic poll? One of the most overrated players in the NHL, Patrick Laine. Really? You, you know, if you watch him on the ice, he's he can be a lazy player. Well, he doesn't play defense at all. No, no he just he yeah. just gets into his shooting spots. and yeah. You know who else was on that list? I do. Eric Carlson. Yeah. That you just mentioned a moment ago, mm-hmm. which was interesting. He, he's been Eric hurt Carlson. almost all year. I mean, he's been hurt almost all year. I'm not, I'm not willing this to list. I know I, this goes back. It was to an interesting poll. Craig circa 2016, but like, yeah, yeah. I'm not really the, the Lion A. Look, that's always been his game. The, the reality is, is you can play that game. Like he's the Ovechkin spot, but he's just about five feet closer to the net. That's fine when you score 40. Yep. When you score 25. Nope. All of a sudden, it's not as good anymore. Yeah, 25 is nothing in today's NHL. And also, it's, it's been sporadic. Like, he scored all of his goals in one month, basically. So if he gets hot in a playoff series, they'll win that series. It doesn't really matter who they're playing. Um, Dallas, I mean, they're not Minnesota to me, but they're kind. Of, they're not going to do anything if they You're make the playoffs. You're not going to do the show either. notes on this one? Okay. No, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, but those are nice show notes. I also like how you color-coded them. Thank you. It's beautiful. Yes. Oh. You, notice, you notice how I made the East sort of brown and dull? Uh, yes. In the subhead, yeah. Even though but it's been the, the West is a beautiful shade of green. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's like spring. Yeah. It's, well, it's just better out here in the West. Well, I would agree with that. Are you two done yet? No. no. Great point, by the just way, Greg. started, actually. Yeah, that was very good. Better than anything Jamie or Matt has said on the show today. I disagree. <laughs> what about Michael Grabner potentially coming back? Just the simple fact that he is going to play hockey again at some point. That was pretty scary there for a couple months. You, you wonder about the timing. Uh, I guess they've got the contact lens right in his eye, so the vision is apparently as good as it's going to get, and close to close to 100%. You wonder about the timing. He's, he's in, in incredible shape. He always is. The guy's body is just ridiculous. We've all seen that. I, I'm not sure how, I should how, mention that on the show. How are his thighs? <laughs> They're, like not, they're not Mikhail Vodkers or Anthony Duclairs, but he, he does have fine thighs. Well, we got the um, name of the show. Okay, fine thighs. Fine thighs. <laughs> there Rogers it is. No, he's he's in terrific shape. So it's just probably a timing thing as much as anything. But man, you look at their PK, and it's amazing that they've been able to 
tread water. I think they're number two in the league right now behind Tampa. In spite of the fact that they lost Grabner, they lost Richardson for a month, they lost Jason Demers. That's three of your your key four guys on the, the first unit of the PK. Step and they've remained – Yeah, now Stepan's out too. So they've remained elite. But now they're getting some of those pieces back. Demers is back in the lineup. Grabner's coming back. I'm not saying the PK is going to turn things around or we're going to see what we saw earlier in the season, but he adds a dynamic element and he adds speed on the wing. And and that we know works in Rick Tockett's system. So we'll just see how long it takes for him to get up to speed. How much of this is Scott Allen's penalty kill, too? I was talking to Stepan about a week or so ago, and he said, you know, our mentality is first, obviously, don't let the other team score around the penalty kill. But we are very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And, And if there's a chance... Sure, maybe it's five on four against us, but it's real easy to make it a two on one against them the other way, and we've seen them do it all season. I think a lot of it, Scott Allen, when you look at his past, he's he's uh, he's done this in other stops, yeah. both in the minor leagues and in the he's NHL. Good in Florida. 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 The penalty yeah. kill in Florida he's, was great. He's had exceptional units, but when you talk about personnel, he's got great personnel mm-hmm. right now in Michael Grabner, Brad Richardson really. Had chemistry with Michael Grabner, but down low with Nicholas Chalmerson too. Chalmerson and Grabner are two of the best guys I have ever seen in terms of stick positioning, getting their stick in shooting lanes, in passing lanes. They're so good at it, and that that's a big part of this. When you can intercept passes, you can break up the flow of a power play, or you can intercept it and go the other way, the way Grabner does. It just it puts a power play on its heels, and it never really allows it to establish any kind of momentum, which is, at the very least, what you look for from a power play unit. And that's the philosophy I, I tend to like on the PK is put pressure on the power play unit, make them hesitate, make them think. Do they really want to make this extra? Uh, accidental bell move. You know, sorry. To talk about the Blackhawks. Well, Chicago's penalty kill is pretty terrible, so it was okay. But get, make the offense hesitate, make them think. Oh, do I really want to make this pass? Mm-hmm. Can I make it? Plus, you have the skill set of the guys. We've talked. You know, Craig just talked about the skill position, uh, their stick position, but their speed. Yeah. Like it's yep. it's great to break up passes and go the other way, but if you don't have the speed to actually get back down the ice and create a two on one opportunity, it doesn't matter. So you put all of that together, yep. and you've get this elite power play. And if you're the Coyotes, you need an advantage somewhere on the ice. Other teams have don't have, and they you don't have the high end skill. In the first half, this yeah. is where they have it. And as good as the Coyotes' power uh, penalty kill has been, even without Michael Grabner, that's one thing that Grabner does bring is that is that speed. Craig mentioned the the stick. Um, positioning and movement and the ability to take away pucks and break up passes. I talked to Brad Richardson about that earlier this year, and he said, yeah, Grabner probably has one of the better sticks in the whole league, and Jalmerson does too, and he blocks shots as well. And when you have guys that can do that, um, that's obviously a huge plus, but having Grabner come back specifically, he's going to not only be able to take those pucks away, but he's going to be able to get down the ice and receive those stretch passes, and that's a big deal. And he's a player, as we talked about when the Coyotes first signed him, is it's limited in what he's going to give you five on five production wise. That's always been an issue with him throughout his career. But he typically but, gives you exactly twenty seven goals in the season when he's healthy. Yeah. But this is what he this is what he's going to give you on the PK. Like this, he's going to be an elite option there. Yeah, and he, his stick is weird too. If you guys see, he plays with a longer stick than most players, which. Yeah. Is advantageous, but a lot of players couldn't do that. They can't use a longer stick. It's advantageous, and a lot of it messes with your shot. I mean, it takes yeah. longer to get the shot off, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, he, he was he was a great signing. We so, said that we had him on the show the day they signed him. I mean, we knew that was that's a great John Chica under the radar signing, basically. Yeah, after they went for JVR and couldn't get him, that's that's where they went next. I'd rather have Grabner. So they've they've got all these guys for back. The Coyotes now. specifically because yeah. they need, yeah. like Jamie said, you need the, you need something that separates you, and for them, it's the ability to score shorthanded goals it's just it's hard not to play the what if game with this team with and look you can't even you can't even look at the goaltending and say what if although i still think auntie ronta is a game changer dusty kemper's played very well but ronta when he's on is one of the very best in the league at least he showed it last season but they're still without two centers 
still without two of their mm-hmm. top nine centers. And that's, again, we were talking about this before the show. You really saw the effect of that in that last game. They had nothing going through the middle of the ice. It really hurts them to be without Derek Stepan and Nick Schmaltz. I think we have a question about Stepan, so maybe I can save it for there. But I'll just quickly say with him, I think that injury is like the low-key, maybe worst one they've had this year just because of what he does in the locker room and what he does in, in, in areas of the game that don't show up in the statue. I mean, he's still around the team, so he can still help out in the locker room in, in some ways, but... There were a lot of points in the season where the Coyotes could have felt sorry for themselves with all the injuries they've had or whatever. It's 10 players now that are significant players that have missed double-digit games. And Stepan is one of those guys that was like, oh, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. This is another it's another way to build up our team, essentially. And then they lose him at the worst possible time. You could see it in Rick Tockett's face and hear it in his voice when Step went out. It was a different feel than I've heard with the other injured players. And so now maybe it, that's just, you know, he's worn down at this point and that's part of the reaction. But... Yeah, I agree with you completely. Derek Stepan is a huge loss for this team. The one's their number one center. For sure. And the one thing I did want to toss in is, although they are getting some of these guys back, um, shameless plug, I did write about this yesterday for ArizonaSports.com. Nice. I like um, that plug. That basically, they are getting a lot of guys back, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these players are going to be their old selves right away. And they're coming in at a really tough time in the season. Talk it yesterday. I was asking him about this and whether or not there's rust when these guys come back. And he said, it's a touchy one because we don't have time. These aren't experiments. I can't wait for people. We don't have that time. Maybe that's just the world we live in right now. I can't experiment. I have 16 games left. There's 32 points up for grabs. And then he added later, we have to find out who can play and play a playoff style the quickest. And that's probably a day-to-day thing. So these guys come back. They have to get into the swing of things again. It's not immediately, oh, Michael Grabner's just its old self again. It takes some time to shake off the rust. Yeah, and I dove into this with Christian Dvorak because the center position in particular is devastated on this team. And Dvorak's missed 11 months. He hadn't played hockey in 11 months. Yeah. But you're, you're pushing him back in now. You've, you've done all the things. You've taken all the steps that you had to do in increments to get him to this point. But now he jumps into the lineup, and he's your second-best option at center. You've got to take off the training wheels with him yeah. at this point and throw him into <laughs> those situations. Like because games. you've got the, your other two options are two guys who aren't centers yeah. in Nick Cousins and Mario Kempe. They've, they've done really well. They've filled in very well. But bottom line is Christian Dvorak is your second best option at center right now real quick before we move off Coyotes the you want to talk about the Jared Clinton tweet from it's from two days ago now but it was uh if the NHL had a three-point standing system so three points for a regulation win two for overtime shootout win one for overtime shootout loss and zero for a regulation loss which I think a lot of fans actually oh, want. Yeah, I'm in favor of it he he did what the standings would look like and again these are from two days ago but uh I think there's they still hold pretty true every team that's in the playoffs they would all still be there, except Dallas would be out and Arizona would be in. So, if you're a Coyotes fan that feels like the universe is working against you this year, there's another bit of fodder for you. Yeah, I'm still in the minority. These past 10 years, actually. Well, well yeah. <laughs> Since 2012, at least. I'm still in the minority if I don't like the three point system either. It's better than what they have really? now, but no. No points for losses? Yeah. I thought yeah. you avoided it. No, oh, yeah, I'm no, a big no points for losses. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think. I, it, there's a fundamental problem when certain games are worth more points than another game. And, yeah, and that so that I always have an issue with, and the three point game actually makes that worse, even if it makes it a little bit fairer overall than the current system. Yeah, I'm a big two or nothing. No, no other sport just says, eh, you got the overtime, so here's your participation point. Wait, I haven't done the math on this, but doesn't the three point system make every game worth exactly three points, no matter what? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, yeah, like it's but, weird to 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 
reward a loss. I get that. But I'm just saying like that would at least eliminate – because that's what I hate about the playoffs at this time of year. If you are watching one team and then two of the teams you're trying to catch are playing each other, it's possible an additional point could just be created out of thin air in that other game. Yeah, no, you're right. What I meant is more like wins are – because certain wins are two points, but you're right, you're right. Technically, all the games are worth would be worth three. But I just I'm a big two nothing. Yeah, you either well, win or you lose. I, yeah, I I also have a problem with team, when you get late in regulation and a team st- suddenly starts playing for a point, they get you know they get cautious. Yeah, just to get that extra yeah. point. I don't like that either. I want to see teams going all out. Yeah, it's not good for the game. To, yeah. to me, my best case scenario is it's two nothing point system, ten minute overtime, and still three on three. Yeah. I love three on three overtime. Three on three overtime for ten minutes because I think at that point you're dealing with such a small fraction of games that will go beyond that. I don't. And if you have to deal with fifteen games a season where somebody has, we have to go to a shootout to determine that. Fine, because then it's going to hurt you a little bit because you don't get the ROW. But to me, I just I feel like if you win ten minutes of three on three, most of those games are going to be over at that point, and teams aren't going to be trying to passively play the last five minutes of regulation or the last you know minute of overtime, just trying to get there. I, I just think that it would solve a lot of problems and make things a lot easier, and I think it's more fair. It is. It's it's one of the worst parts of. And there's not really many bad parts to this time of the hockey season, but you definitely see, in, especially in these games where it's like Dallas and Minnesota playing each other or whoever. Like you definitely see if the game is tied with five minutes left, both teams are kind of like, well, we need the point. Let's settle this in overtime. We're already going to make up a point on everybody else around us in the standings. I don't know that it's a sense of urgency for them to fix that, but that is something I, I wouldn't mind them uh, fixing, however you do it. Uh, but for me, it's either Jamie's system where you go to two and none, or it's this one where at least every game is is, is worth the yeah. same amount of points. Because it's just weird. I mean, some seasons there will be, if you total up all the points in the standings, there are just more than in other seasons. There's no other sport like that. You, know, you total up all the football wins and losses at the end of the year, they're the same unless there's some weird tie or whatever. Yeah, but the ties will add up if you count them as half wins and yeah. equal it. Like There's still the same amount of potential wins on the table. Do you want to talk about some of these uh, the stuff that's being discussed in the GM meetings, Craig? Sure. This seems like a higher level of conversation that you should lead. <laughs> Jamie will drag us down to sewer fights. Oh, just I mean, you saw the stuff that was on the agenda. No, nothing's decided yet, but GMs want a rule that will penalize players who don't leave the ice immediately after their helmets come off. That's player safety. Yeah, it's player safety. Uh, again, we can talk about the hypocrisy of player safety and the way it's enforced, but that's a good idea, don't you think? I think it should be a rule that eliminates Tom Wilson from the ice. Yeah. Well, or Ryan Reeves. He's that rule. Or David Backus, but we'll talk about that later. I just wonder, though, if if you do something like that and then you have a situation where a team's in the offensive zone and they're setting up a scoring chance and then a guy's helmet comes off and then he's got to leave the ice and then they don't get it. You know you know what I mean? If something massive happened like that, especially late in the season or in the playoffs, sure. then 10 years from now we're talking about, oh, well, do we need to get rid of this rule? Uh, That's I just, what I worry I, I about. I think it's, it has to be your priorities, right? What are your priorities? If you're really going all in on player safety, I think it's a good idea. Well, do you then just blow the whistle and stop the game? You could do that, too. That, I almost, as much as I hate that, almost like it more because I was thinking sort of along the same lines as Matt. What if you're on defense? What, yeah. if, what if you're killing a penalty five on four late in the game and one of your players' helmets comes off? You're supposed to then skate all the way across the ice and leave, mm-hmm. and it's a five on three. I would then also guys could flip off their helmets. Well, but then we have the goaltender with the goaltender mask issue. Why can't anybody be honest? Of Jonathan Quick. <sighs> yeah, and nobody can see the motion because this is an audio podcast. But I still did it. But that, to me, that's how I'm always going to see you say the name Jonathan Quick now with that weird, like almost hair flip you just did. For me, I would want to know too. If I were making this decision, I would want to know like what's the record of guys getting injured because of their helmets coming off and them not leaving the ice too. Because if that's something that does happen from time to time, maybe that's more of a factor. If it's a one in a million thing, then that I think for me that would influence it. I don't know. Okay, so then what happens in a fight when a guy's helmet comes off? Are we stopping the fights now? 
Because to me, the most dangerous I already a stoppage, though, right? I, I know, but the most, the, the most dangerous. I'm happy about that, by but, the way. Yes, which is good. Although, watch the Eastern Conference as we get down the stretch here. Well, but, watch David Backus. We'll get to yes. that in a minute. <laughs> but I mean, he's the David Backus to, to topic me, a lot. To me, the most dangerous element of not having your helmet is when you are in a fight yeah. and you run the risk of we don't cracking the back safety. of your head on the ice. The yeah, NHL no longer cares about player safety when it comes to fights. And also, if there's a fight, there's already typically a stoppage in play. So then I don't know how you. Yeah, so I just. How you tell a player he has to get off when it's a stop. Uh, yeah, get, it's get a off weird, good too. fight. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Jamie's send already. Send a little referees the... in there to, to break up a David right. Backus. Yeah. And... Your helmet has come off in the fight. The yes. guy can no longer punch you in plastic, so <laughs> yes. you need to leave. Jamie's already I made the point. If you want, if you want player safety, legislate Tom Wilson out of the game. And by the way, the playoffs are coming up when he does his, his best. Oh, work. there we go. Which, okay. which team will they play so we know which younger player will be injured by Tom Wilson's <sighs> hit from behind? Ooh, okay. So right now it looks like it could. Ooh, okay. Max, Do- Max Domi is right now the leading candidate. You guys are digressing. No, it's got, it's oh, Pittsburgh. No, ha- he okay. wouldn't mess with Domi because Domi would Gensel. fight back. No, it would be Gensel because right now they'd play the top wild well, card team. Domi might fight back, but it wouldn't go well. Yeah, no, it would be yeah. Jake Gensel now. Okay, well. there it is. It's got to be Not a against Tom Wilson. Yeah, but it's got to be somebody. Like last year, he broke Zach Aston Reese's jaw because he was like sort of an unknown rookie and he yeah. wasn't paying. So that that's you got it. You have to go for the the weakest animal in the herd. That's well, there are a lot of weak, there are a lot of weak animals on the on the Penguins roster. Oh. Right now. The other way though, sometimes he goes for the most important player on the ice. And he's not going to go after Crosby, but like if Murray was playing well, he might that run might him. actually get him banned from the league. And this dear listener, this is the Tom Wilson segment of our podcast. Well, we we do ramp it weekly up for the playoffs. Okay. Ryan, all right, on to the GM meetings or back to the GM meetings. We're talking about player safety. Okay, we're done with player safety oh, Luke. we're moving on I finally we're moving on time in allow the team starting a power play to choose which side of the ice they want to like have this. the first face yes, off. I like, I like that too why do you like this you know why i like it because the nhl i think has done a very good job in the last five to ten years of just slightly tweaking little rules to increase scoring like remember there was all this talk of hey let's have soccer goals okay well that's idiotic <laughs> but let's have the power play start in the attack zone and in this case let, yeah let the team decide hey our center is a left-handed center we want the want the face off on this side. little things that don't impact the game at all but impact the game you set took plays. the yeah you more took the penalty plays. you you pay the price yeah, yeah. more set plays i want to be able to say okay we have an exact play we love from the left face off circle and that's where we're going to set up on every power play and give us a better chance to score without love that idea. changing the the like integrity the of the game yeah. yeah so patrice bergeron's power play face off percentage would be like 79 Yes, that side of the ice would be worn down by the end of the game. Slightly down from his 5-on-5 face-off percentage. A recommendation to prevent teams from changing lines if their goalie freezes the puck on shots that come from outside the blue line. What do you think of this one? I don't particularly like that one. There are 22 stoppages per game because of the goalie freezing the puck. Each stoppage averages roughly 30 seconds. This is all about pace of play. Do you feel like hockey games are too long? No. No, but here's the problem. It's it's incremental. Is the team that shoots the puck into the goalie allowed to make a line change? Because that's what the rule doesn't say they can't. Right. And what's the, the situation? Team. I mean, if, if they shoot the puck in from outside the blue line, but then somebody's right in on the goaltender yeah. and he decides to freeze it, you're going to tell yeah. him he can't? That's silly But to, to, me. to me, the, the easy exploitation of this rule is we need a line change. We don't want you to get a line change, so we're going to shoot it at the goalie yeah. from beyond yeah. the blue line. We get a line change, and basically it's like you ice the puck, they, even though yeah. you never had it. The NHL needs, I can't believe I'm saying this, they need a Jamie Eisner that will instantly be able to point out the loopholes that could be exploited because that's what jamie does he exploits the loopholes in life that was a so great need... point by jamie unbelievable uh, i control the mic it's manufactured icing that's all this is it's manufactured icing it seems pointless yes no yeah, i don't like this i at agree all. was was matt aware that this was sort of an audition to fully replace jamie apparently it's not, not going well no because okay. he's talking up jamie okay so no. that would be like if you're the backup quarterback talking up the starting quarterback. I couldn't possibly do it. He Worked does. for Nick Foles. <laughs> that was a terrible point by Jamie. Are you oh, kidding? There we go. Yeah. You will be here for episode 190 and okay. our episode 200 extravaganza. Two things that I really want to see happening. 
cutting power plays to one minute in overtime. Yes. I think two minutes is insane. That's 40% of the period that yeah. you get. Proportionally, it should be 30 seconds, but and when I get you, why not? not why, why 30 seconds <laughs> 30 is too small? Because <laughs> you just win one face off and knock it down the ice right, and it's yeah, over. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, 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 one, but one minute. One minute's a good. good. That's a good compromise. And make the blue line a plane already on offsides. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a no brainer for Why me. is this so hard? The, yeah. the creators of Glow Puck should just have like a glow blue line and just go straight up in the air. I want the, the replay back too. It goes all the way down. 360 cam, yes. Oh, that's <laughs> Through awesome. the roof of the arena. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. space, you can see the blue lines in every active NHL arena that night. Yeah, I want to see the outdoor <laughs> game for that one. Yes. <laughs> I want the Fox Red Tail back, too. I want it even longer. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. I want, I want to trace the entire path of the puck the before the shot. From the whole game. Just flames Look, behind the puck. Here's where it was. This is where it was 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a line around the ice. It's like yeah. those, oh, yeah. Now you're talking hockey analytics. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about Ted Lindsay a little bit here? Yeah. Ted Lindsay, listeners, do you know who Ted Lindsay is? And this is my greater point. Does the NHL do a good enough job? I know we're, I, I should just hand the floor to Jamie after I ask this question. Does the NHL do a good job of marketing? I no. could stop right there. No, there's no, it's, it's legends. It's history. No, it, it, they don't. Uh, and I will admit, I don't know a ton about Ted Lindsay, and I love hockey. I do it. You might be surprised with this. I do a podcast about hockey like every week. What? He's only the guy years. that brought you the NHLPA into existence. That's kind of a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah, right? I, I'll admit I didn't really know much about. It. I'd heard the heard the name obviously, but I never award. right. But I never really knew who he was or anything about him. What team he played for? Well, he played for multiple teams. Yes, uh, changed teams because of Jack Adams, who yeah. I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. He has an award. Union busting Jack Adams. Oh yeah, that was his nickname. <laughs> what um, is there? I I think this would help if you're trying to market legends that aren't like Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or Gordie Howe or Bobby Orr because it does seem like the focus is always on those four. Trying. Yeah. Well. Okay. Trying. Trying but, would help. But also, and, I, and this gets difficult sometimes. But finding a modern day comparison or a player in the last fifteen to twenty years that you could be like, hey, Ted Lindsay isn't. This specific guy, I don't want to say Brad Marchand, but I know that's the comparison that's been thrown out there. But that's sort of what he's like, so people understand. Because I think most people look and they're like, oh, there's an award named after Ted Lindsay. He must have been scoring 60 goals every year. That really wasn't his game. No, and it was a different era, too, so it's hard to even compare. But yeah. I, I just think about his contributions to the game. Uh, he was, uh, again, he 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 was one of the key figures in getting the NHLPA started. And we, we all know this this nation's union history, at least I hope we do. And, and the importance of unions. Um, and not only did he did he make this uh, make this a priority and, and fight the good fight, he was stripped of his captaincy. He was traded to the Blackhawks, and Jack Adams planted rumors about him and false saying he had said things about his teammates. He he said he was making twice as much as he was in salary. It's horrible the way this guy was treated, and yet he persevered. They did form the NHLPA eventually, and it obviously plays a critical role in the league today. Yeah. Yeah, and for a league that touts tradition almost to its detriment at times of why they don't do things, why they don't react, why they don't fix their, I don't know, playoff system, all the, all that fun stuff. It was traditionally better than this. Or I guess 10 years ago it was better than this. But but they said they wanted just to bring back tradition, traditional playoff rivalries because that's really worked. Yeah, uh, like Chicago and Toronto in the first round? Yeah, I know. Uh, that would be interesting how they... But whatever. But they, uh, but they, they but used yes, to be rivals. But yes. So like, it's just, now they're not even Or Chicago, conference. Detroit or whatever. Yeah. But... Yeah, they need to do a better job overall of just if you're going to be about tradition, then be about tradition. Baseball fans love the tradition of the sport. Yeah. And baseball and it goes markets well beyond, legends better than any sport. Though. Well, yes. yes, it goes beyond three people. 
Like people, don't, you know, it's not just oh well, we market Babe Ruth all the time. No, uh, baseball markets a lot of different players from a lot of different teams in a lot of different eras. Hockey doesn't really do that. It's Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe. Yes. those are the four. Yep, yep, and story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are typically, and, and yeah, they absolutely could do a better job of it. Also, what he did, and Craig put this in the notes for just being more inclusive of women. I didn't know that story until what? this week. Yeah. I still don't know the full story, but he basically he it was. His Hall of Fame induction, right? Yeah. Didn't yeah. he basically say this can't just be what was it before? Well, it was fam- just Hall of Famers. Yeah, it was just men. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it was just it was Hall of Fame families. Men. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he declined. Yeah. So they they changed their policy and allowed families, allowed women into the building. <laughs> now, what I would say, I mean, the, the NHL clearly still has a long way to go on that front. But they're yeah, that's a whole different podcast that we can do in the summer. Yeah, but to back, yeah, it, it, for a guy who, of his era to be. I don't even want to say forward thinking because it's just it, it should be logical thinking. Oh, but at the time it but, was forward thinking. Yeah, it was. Uh, I would say though they did name probably the most prestigious award after him. I mean that's that's the basically MVP as voted by the players. Yep. yep. So that's the one that when we sit that's here your and peers saying it. Yeah. Yeah. When we all complain that like oh the media has a specific agenda to get so and so player from a team that didn't make the playoffs the Hart Trophy, then the players vote for the actual MVP every year. So. And that's the Ted Lindsay Award. Yep. We need more awards in the NHL, by the way. Awarded by the league. Do you want to talk? Matt and I were talking about this, too. Oh, do you guys want to... The floor well, I just, we've talked about this, I think, on the show. It annoys me that there's not... There's, a, there's an award for the best defensive forward, but not for the best defensive defenseman. Every year, the Norris goes to, oh, that guy that has the most points. The guy who's producing offense. I, I I agree with you in theory, but then didn't somebody run a poll of this? Maybe it was even the athletic of of who would win. Glad you brought that up. And and, and it was just it was defensemen that were scoring points again. There was a couple guys thrown in there. Yeah, there were some bad answers. Like Mark Giordano was in there. He's not the best defensive defenseman. No, I, I mean, no. Joe. He was, I, all, he was in the top three. I would, I would call it the Rod Langway Award, but... Okay. That I, was my counter to Craig, too, when we were talking about this the other night, is that... Because I, I actually... I completely agree with the, the idea that that award would be awesome. The only problem is... The, the, the only way you could really truly fairly vote on that award as a media member or a voting member is if you were informed. watching all the games. Like, you can't look at a stat sheet and say, that guy plays good defense. Like, this there is are, a great point. There are metrics for it, but not great ones. I think there are good metrics for it. I disagree with that point, and I do think it, if you're informed enough and if you're reading enough of those metrics, you can make some determination on who the best defensive defenseman is in the okay. game. It's a big if. I, I know we're all media members here, so this right. might be being informed. Right? Me to yes. say. We, we know how... Yeah, well, we know how that whole process I would disagree with your disagreement of Matt's point, just to make this a full political debate. But the reason I disagree <laughs> with it, I disagree with this whole he's, thing. He's already going to disagree with me, no matter what okay. I say. But the, the the reason I think Matt's point is is really valid is like Craig's idea is a great idea, but. Let's be honest. There's a lot of people that have votes in these awards that don't watch half the teams in the league. And you, you have to watch every team closely to know, I'll just say Nicholas Jalmerson as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe yeah. even he's not a great one because people know what he did for Chicago. For Chicago. But find, find me a really great defenseman on Carolina. And there's a lot of people in wherever that aren't watching him. Is it the worst thing in the world to have the players vote on that? That's what they should do. Yeah. Like I, wow. I, know, I, I mean, is it really the is it the worst thing yeah. in the world to say? Because I mean, to me, have... when we're talking about that nuance part of the game, I'm extremely intrigued by what the players that are going up against these guys think about. You yeah. know who you don't want to go because up you against. have GMs voting on awards, so it, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And then I'd also that's I'd like really to see idea. the instead of having the Norris for the best defenseman, having the Vezina for the best goalie, and then having the Hart for the best forward <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when yeah. it's supposed to be the MVP, have. The Wayne Gretzky Award for the best forward in the game. And then 
you can open up the MVP voting to all positions, which is as it should be. Because, by the way, defensemen play more minutes per game than forwards, and goalies play the entire freaking game. So they have a huge impact on the game. Yeah. And they should be in the running for the MVP. And when's the last time? I at least remember Carey Price winning the heart. Yeah, when's the last that's, time? It's an anomaly. It's like people are like, oh, well, a goalie won this year. It's noteworthy when a goalie wins. But when's the last time a defenseman won the heart trophy? I don't uh, even remember that. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, it also is weird that there's not an award named after Wayne Gretzky. That's kind of strange. It is, it is a little strange. I've heard of that guy. Once or twice, right? He's one of the, the legends that they market. Oh, I, I'm reading this upside down. Wayne Gretzky like, oh. Coach of the Year Award? It, no, no. Oh, it was only four years <laughs> ago. Jack Adams, by the way. Yeah, why don't we name that one the Scotty Bowman Award? Give it to the winningest coach of all time. And then make the GM Take it with Jack Adams, who, who told lies about a, a Hall of Famer. Why, why do we honor Adam? Oh. He was a jerk. Should we create our own awards on the show? We, we should, should do that for the offseason, because yeah. I would like to do like the Chiarelli Award for the worst GM of the year. That would be cool if like we, should, we went the other way. Yeah, we should, we should make our own awards for the show. Or the like LVP. High school, yeah. like high school superlatives. Who's the like least valuable player? Most in the well, it's to... Milan Lucic. Yeah, yeah it's a runaway this time. Yeah, Chris Pronger, last defenseman to win the Hart Trophy. Mm. Wow. Former Carey, great fun fact. 1999-2000. So just insane. the last millennium. That's insane. Yeah. All right, you want to get to some listener questions? Because we've got... Oh, you Talk about David Backus first. This seems to be the, the tip I, I of everybody's tongue. I kind of feel bad for David Backus. Like, I feel like this is what he feels like he has to do at this point in his career. You should tell listeners what he feels he has to do, if they're not familiar he, with Oh, uh, He's the new Bruins enforcer. Because apparently that's still part of this game. And why is he the Bruins' new enforcer? Because he can't play like he used to. And so, did they appoint him? The new enforcer kind of seems like he appointed himself. Yeah, and and that that's kind of why I feel bad. It's like I get a guy's like, hey, look, I can't contribute in the areas I used to contribute because he was a pretty high skilled player for a long portion of his career. Yeah. He scored thirty one goals twice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was a good player, and now he just doesn't have that same step to him. But I feel like this is just putting his body at just a terrible risk for a not to nothing? mention the brutal marketing this gives the game. It's Can I bad. read this quote? So. He's he's uh, he's talking about this role, and, and you, he discussed it obviously with uh, with his coach uh, Butch. Why does he call him Butchie? By the way, is that, Bru- is oh, that that's Butch Cassidy? Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Butch Cassidy. That's okay. why. Yeah. I asked Butchie when we were in Vegas, and we had a meeting if I could be put in roles or places that would have a bigger impact games. And you know, whether that's with my gloves off or my gloves on, I think he's provided me with those opportunities, and hopefully, I've done my job for him. That's why this is tough wow. because. You, you, on one level, you appreciate a player that's committed to his team and is saying, I'm, I'm willing to literally do anything, even if it's at my own physical detriment, to help my team win. Especially a guy that's had the career he's had. And he's going to endear himself to the guys in the locker room. But long term, this is incredibly stupid. Oh, it's brutal. And I know and, it's and, easy for me to say sitting here in my, again, I've been in one fight in my life and it was in middle school. All right, so I'm not a tough guy. So you won. I won. Nice. Won and I retired with a perfect record. Yeah, well, I don't, Basically, I'd, Floyd I'd like Mayweather. I'd to go to the judges with, with that. A lot less troublesome pe- backstory. And money. Uh, yeah, that, that too. But uh, I, I, I get it. In some ways, it's admirable, but it's stupid. I just, it's admirably stupid. Admirably stupid. That's actually the name of the podcast instead of fine thighs or whatever. I'm going to write admirably stupid down so the FCC doesn't shut us off. Um <laughs> There's really, I mean, you get to this point in the season, you get to the playoffs, and the playoffs are a different games. Sometimes they're more physical, but how many teams in the playoffs 
off the top of your head you look at and say you have to have an enforcer playing against right. them. Zero. This was just so bizarre to, I can, to, I can to see this come out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Tom Wilson's not going to actually fight somebody. But no, no, not in the playoffs. He I, runs and hides. I almost want to like. We should do a, another poll. Go around all these sixteen playoff teams when the playoffs are. So, who is your enforcer? Because well, your play- counter to David Backus. I mean, it's it's just bizarre to even hear this being discussed, and it's crazy coming from a guy like David Backus, who, if you know anything about this guy off the get, he's the warmest, most approachable guy. Yeah, really he fights for dog rights. I mean, people just love this guy yeah. off the ice. To see him step into this role is just bizarre. And again, the optics are just terrible. Well, look at okay. So they're going to play Toronto in the first round, which I still love because there's a lot of reasons I love that series. A, we were saying. A year ago, they're going to play Toronto in the first round, and this is why the playoff system is flawed. B, Toronto fans all seem to have caught on in the last two months that this playoff system is flawed, and they hate it because they never beat Boston. But C, Toronto doesn't have an enforcer, and if they beat Toronto somehow, they're going to play Tampa. Tampa doesn't have an enforcer. Who are you ever going to play that really has an enforcer? Even Tom Wilson isn't really an enforcer. No. He can score goals if he focuses on doing it. Enforcers don't win you games. I want to have Ryan Reeves on this podcast. They never have. No, they never have. They but, never have. And there's research now that shows it. It's 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 just the old boy, the old, old school mentality of some people thinking that fights impact games. They don't. Yeah, the only thing I would say in defense of David Backus here, and maybe you guys aren't trying to criticize him. Maybe it's more the Bruins. But he, if the season ended today... He would have the fewest goals of his career, the lowest shot percentage of his career, the lowest average time on ice of his career. He's 58% from the faceoff circle, but like, it, how many guys in the history of the league have been enforcers who felt like they were enforcers because that was their either their path to the league or the way to stay in the league? It's kind of like I go back to the John Tavares thing where he did that because that was what he wanted to do for his career. That was his personal decision. And maybe David Backus looks at it the same way of like, look, I just want to keep playing in this league. This is my opportunity to do it. So for me, I feel like if you're going to criticize somebody, it would be the Boston Bruins for saying, yeah, go for it and, and letting him play this role because I, I can't really fault a guy if that's his path to stay in the league. Well, he does collect a hefty $6 million yeah, over the, that, the next yeah, two seasons. That's so, true. I mean, yeah. it's and not that, like he's trying to justify his, his existence. And that's yeah. why I say it's admirably stupid. Like, like it's Jamie's he, trying to justify his existence right now. It, it comes from a point, like if I'm David Backus, I, I, there is a lot to admire about him making that decision, just in a vacuum. Like, we, yeah. it's, it's bad for his health, it's bad for the game, all the other stuff. But he's doing it from a place of, I am trying to justify my keep. I am trying to justify my place on this team, and I'm trying to help my team win the way I think I can help my team win, or the way my coach thinks they can help my team win. But you wish that there was somebody that is above him on the food chain yes, that says... This is not how we play hockey exactly. anymore. That, and that's my point, is that I, I understand why he would do it. I just don't get why the, the Bruins would say, oh, okay. How many cities could you, or organizations could you actually see this still happening in? I could see it happening in Philly. I could see it happening Philly, with New Boston. York, yeah, Rangers, just, not um, many teams would, would say, yeah, let's, let let's me, embrace this. Let me throw this out there, though, because I'm, I'm trying to make sure the stats, even if it's not, it's close. I'm pretty sure this is the least fights per game in NHL history is it, this year. It feels like it. So... Maybe the definition of enforcer has changed to the point where David Backus just sees himself as we. This is the guy we have on the ice in case somebody on the other team wants to get crazy in the playoffs and try to injure Patrice Bergeron or whatever. Maybe they'll think twice. I mean, that's I guess, but nobody fights in the playoffs anyway. But it's nobody not fought so, in the playoffs five years ago. I'm not even saying as a fighter. I'm just saying as a like if you're going to take liberties with our best player, 
I'm on the ice. But, You're going to have to deal. I mean, he's, he's the one who said in his quote, "With the gloves off." So I'm, I'm well, assuming yeah. that but means fighting. So, but he's been a physical player his whole career. Like, yeah, it's he not has. a guy that's shied away from and contact. He's, he's a big player. So. He's a big physical hard hitter. But I'm before, going. So what's changed beyond even just David Backus? You're right. The the drop in the gloves thing. I mean that. But I could argue then maybe that's just the intimidation of it. Yeah, if I or have to fight so and so. Speaking in cliches. Like, maybe, I mean that yeah. that's also possible. Because there We've is known hockey players to do that. That element is still there. I mean, there's certainly a point when you get to game five of a seven game series. And you're talking about a trip to the Stanley Cup on the line, and you're looking across the ice and saying, if that guy wasn't on the ice who's scoring all their goals, we will win this series. Maybe I do cross check him in the back of the head in front of the net. We see this every year. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'm going to think twice because David Backus is out there or Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson. I mean, having that player doesn't necessarily mean they have to fight or take cheap shots, but there has to be some sort of repercussion because the ref doesn't catch everything. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever leave the game. And, and, and David Backus came into this league, to, and it's not like players can't see the game changing as they're playing in it, but David Backus came into this league in 2006-07, and it wasn't that long ago that fans would say things like, this team needs an enforcer, or this team is lacking a tough guy. Or <laughs> his fans are still saying. It, it, yeah, it, I was just, just going to say. I don't even bother responding anymore. It wasn't huh? that long ago that the Coyotes acquired BJ Crombie. Mm-hmm. So, and th- nothing against him, Crombie, but it's just they, that, they that got Joe Reckless in the minors at one point thought they might need him. Rafi Torres, John Scott, <sighs> yeah, Rafi Torres. You could probably Paul Bissonnette was what they Torres. wanted him to be when he first got here. <laughs> he I mean, they were. Me. I was afraid to interview him. He was a nice guy, though, off he, the ice. But he, he, was, that, he always had that look in his eye like, <laughs> I could snap at any moment. It's like, <laughs> it was like petting a pit bull. <laughs> he was very much a pit bull. He looked like a pit bull. But he was a, he was a decent dude off the ice. All right. By, by the way, David Backus, total salary, his actual salary for the last two years of his career is $4 million. His cap hit $6 million, but still yeah. justifying his existence. Go ahead. We've got... A lot of listener questions. I'm going to run through as many as I can here. So let's let's try and answer these fairly quickly. I'm not really screening them. I'm just reading them right That's, down the list. Okay. okay. Right. It's great news. Corbs. Corbs. Did the Yotes. Sup, Corbs. Sup, Corbs. Patrick Corbin. Possibly Patrick Corbin. Okay. Did the Yotes re- or Corbin Burnson from Major League? Those are the only two Corbins I know. Wasn't he on LA Law too? Yeah, we're moving quickly okay. with this. I, I, that's my <laughs> so I'm already off the rails. <laughs> Did the Yotes really need to trade Jordan Wheel? At least he provided center depth and doesn't sound like Shapu will get a shot even with all the injuries. Hashtag donut balls. That's why his tweet gets read first. Whoa, that's mm. a, that's just a direct shot at you, I feel. No, that's in favor of oh, there were There were other hashtags I saw. I think, I think there was sarcasm in that donut ball. No, I think you hashtag something. You, hashtag you, get you, Luke off the show. You think he really no. believes it? Oh, no, wow. Like yeah. Hey, hey. He's waiting for Jamie. To yeah, uh, Jordan Wheel was... Um, uh, a hockey player? He's a, he is a hockey he is. player. Look, I, look, I, I know it's he, with the step on out and you need bodies, but that's he, all he is. He was, uh, he, yeah, he was a body. And... To be frank, I would take Nick Cousins and Mario Kempe over Jordan Wheel in the lineup right now. Center. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jordan Wheel brought anything to this team. He won some faceoffs. That's about all he did. Yeah. I, I don't want to torch a guy because it, these guys are all much better hockey players than I'll ever be. Um, but that being said, when, great when, point. when Jordan Wheel got to Arizona, um, a few of the media members, myself included, did a little scrum with him. And, and we're talking about kind of his role when he was with the Flyers, which was his previous team. And he said, yeah, you know, I didn't he, – He's. I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of he didn't get a lot of minutes in Philadelphia and he didn't get much of an opportunity. He wanted one here to, you know, more or less prove what he could do. And his first game with the Coyotes, he was on the top line or was listed there. He got opportunity. Yeah, yeah. he got opportu- He got every opportunity here to prove what he could do. And I don't know that you could really justify him having a spot on your active roster. Look, anymore. all of us knew when they got Jordan Wheel that he was only here for a short amount of time. He was only here because of their injuries at center, and as soon as they got healthy, he would be gone. Anybody who understood anything about this club knew that that was coming. Mm-hmm. 
And that's fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. There are yeah. players like that, the transitional players, and he'll be like that. Mario Kempe has played beyond expectations at center. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. obviously not going to produce a whole lot for you offensively, but he brings speed through the middle. He's very responsible, and Nick Cousins brings a lot of different elements. I, I, I don't have a problem with either of those two guys playing over Jordan Wheeler. I, I, we've got 15 more of these questions, okay, so this fine. could be a five-hour podcast. But I, I want to. Craig and I almost did like a little sub podcast last week when Stepan uh, got hurt, and the the topic was going to be should the Coyotes have done something else at the trade deadline to add a center, which is easy to say in hindsight. Certainly, hey, you know, now you've lost a center, you should have known you were going to have an injury because you have a guy injured every game. I did a story on the Athletic as I, well. I, I'm Jim. helping you out here. What did Derek Broussard go for at the trade deadline? Uh, that wouldn't have cost much. That's that's the one name. Because my initial reaction was, no, you can't make a trade for every possible inju- injury scenario just because everybody on your team's always hurt. Like you mm-hmm. can't prepare for that. Let's be let's be in the real world. You can't do that. But Derek Broussard didn't go for much. Yeah, there's a, there are there are good arguments on both sides He's of this the coin. Only good argument, really I think, are. Yeah, yeah, of, of the guys that were available. Yeah, yeah uh, with what you, what the acquisition cost might yeah. have been otherwise. I'm of the mind if you can trade a fourth round pick or lower. For a player in that scenario, then you're fine. You're not giving up anything. Because you look at the stats on whether those guys yeah, make it to the I, NHL and do anything. I mean, and I did that because because a lot of people were freaking out about you know mid round picks and what they're worth or not. But like round four, like players that can get to 50 games in the NHL because that's the absolute max from the deadline. Plus, if you played a every seven game series in the postseason, max you get from a rental would be 50 games. Round three, the, these are these are the numbers over the last 15 years of players that got to at least 50 NHL games. Is this your math or real math? Is this, this is Michael real math. Shucker's okay. math? No, real math. Round three. St. Lawrence University, he does work on this. And Go ahead. 30% in round three to get to at least 50 games in the NHL. Those don't even necessarily impact guys. No, just 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 the 50 games. 50 games in their career? Yes. (laughs) Just 50 career games in the NHL. Round four, 22%. Round five, 19%. Round six, 17%. Round seven, 13%. Yeah. Based on the last 15 years, not including the last three or four years because I didn't. I want to give players enough time. Yeah, that's fair. Because that's that's unreasonable to expect a seventh round pick two years ago to be in the NHL right now. But if, if I were a GM, it'd be really tough to pry a first or a second round pick away from me, and I don't really care about the other ones. I don't want to. I don't want to throw away agree. all my picks. Mm-hmm. But if you can get me somebody that can help me right now, there are right. always some of those. I call them the old Tuomo Rutu deals. There's a six round pick for a third liner that can probably help you. You should almost always take that yeah, if you have I, the opportunity. I to. tend to think GMs overvalue their draft picks. Period. Um, and look, there's the only argument you can make for hanging on to these things. You're in the Coyote situation where your system needs a lottery stocking. There's not a lot there if we're being honest about the Coyote system no. right now. So the volume of draft picks gives you a better. It gives you better odds of finding somebody that's going to help you. But by and large, those picks don't turn out to be much. And I, I, I do think GMs tend to hang on to those too often rather than making those sorts of deals. Just also, I mean, one last thing on Broussard. He wasn't great with Pittsburgh and didn't get to play with Florida very long. But prior to that, he was pretty good for the Rangers in Ottawa. So mm-hmm. he just wasn't maybe a great fit for Pittsburgh. And we have no idea with Florida. Now, I guess you could make the case Florida gave up a third round pick and their pick would probably be better than the Coyotes. So Colorado would have taken that trade anyway. But I'm just saying, because it was an interesting topic, because my first response was, no, that's stupid. People people say, oh, you should have gone out and got a center like Austin Matthews is available. Those guys aren't available. Right. But Broussard was. Right. People are thinking like top six guys that can produce points. No, you can't. No, make no like, you can't make the, like, the Duchesne. You can't make the Duchesne trade. Yeah, that make absolutely right. no sense for where they are. Again, no. knowing where you are in the progression timeline, this nope. goes back to it. You are not at that point. I'm not giving up anything more than the third round pick. No. If I'm the Coyotes right now. Uh, Mike, as a fan, under what circumstances is it acceptable to wear your hockey sweater outside of a hockey game? I gotta say, Mike, uh, none unless you're going to a party where everyone else is wearing it. None. 
Mm, I don't know about that. It just hockey or any any sport. Why then? Why are you wearing a Cubs jersey backwards right now with a hat on? People. David Bodie was an interesting choice for the jersey, Craig. Um, to me, it's. I think of all the jerseys that I see out in public, the most, for lack of a better phrase, classy looking is the hockey sweater. So I feel like the other ones are more jarring in terms of what people are actually wearing around you. Yeah. And to what you're wearing. Uh, I just think hockey it's... sweater. And, yeah. You know, so this is NHL parlance for a jersey, you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay, it's not yes. an actual sweater. No. Not a sweater vest. No, not a sweater vest. <laughs> or an eagle sweater shirt. No, none of that. Carolina Hurricanes sweater vest. <laughs> just, just, how about like a sleeveless <laughs> hockey jersey? Just like oh, start cutting off no. of the, the sleeves of an Austin Matthews jersey. We, we weren't even down, talking about New Jersey. Road. I will say this, and I, I, my wife backs me on this. Most women I speak to back me on this, by the way. The hockey jersey is far superior to the tank top in any setting other than if you're playing basketball or lifting weights. Or changing your carburetor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, change your carburetor. That's the other one. The tank top is not a good look. No, it's... it's, uh, I remember a friend of ours asking, uh, someone that my wife worked with, is it okay to wear... No. My wife's response before you even finished. Never. It's never okay to wear a tank top in public. Join us next week on our Fashion Corner as we talk about cardigans. Yes. I don't mind the hockey sweater in public. I don't. I don't either. Okay. Uh, obviously, the weather permitting, because you wear that in the summer. You're well. Bad I mean, news. look, if you're that committed to wearing your Nashville Predators jersey, yeah, but people have to smell you. Jerseys, oh. but, uh, you know, a hockey sweater. If you if I'm comparing to other sports, yeah, the NBA jersey out in public. I would say also the hockey. No, that's well because you're. It's basically a tank top. It is a tank top, mm-hmm. and they're they're a lot of. The, usually the, the people that we wearing that yeah. maybe shouldn't. Yeah, that's that's fair. The one thing about the hockey sweater, too. from Frozen. <laughs> usually you can get away with wearing a hockey jersey that doesn't have a name or a number on the back. Whereas like some, like some, if you're wearing an NBA jersey, you're who's walking around just wearing a Lakers jersey with nothing on the back? You know what I mean? Nobody, because they all bought LeBron stuff so they can miss the playoffs. And then booed him at home. NFL jerseys are just boring. Like, yeah, yeah, boring. that's yeah. yeah. They're the most boring uniforms in professional sports. That's true, unless you're wearing the helmet, unless you're going all out and wearing the helmet around town. That'd be great. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're your, actually you can wear a hockey helmet Full too. Pads. Wear it all out. But speaking of which, before we move, we need more of the logos on the helmet in the NHL. I loved yeah that uh, those outdoor helmets the, for the stadium. Series. I love those. I hated that game with a fiery well, passion. I get but the it. Helmets but were I cool. love those helmets. We need more of those. You're doing a good job of going rapid fire. Do you do you want to do all these? Yeah, let's just yeah, let's do them. Our listeners are the most important. We're at a, an hour nine right now. All right, so if okay, so that's this. Listeners, if you if you don't want to listen anymore to us answer your questions, you could turn off the show. Well, because we're going five minutes a question right now, we're so fine. we'll be here for two more hours. I, I think I feel like we're giving them the attention they deserve. Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Then. Unlike you, Luke. I love our listeners. Todd and Fe- that's a lie. Todd and Phoenix. If you guys are doing the mailbag today, hey, we are. <laughs> a question: Who has stepped up to fill the leadership role with Step On Out? Well, it's pretty early, but I, I mean, Brad Richardson's the first guy that comes to mind. He's wearing the A now as an alternate captain, and you knew when he came back he'd play a major role in that. But yes. I, I think they have a pretty good leadership group in this locker room anyway. Yes, they that's do. That's been one of the keys. Yeah, there's Brad Richardson, Nick Jalmerson, Oliver Ekman Larson. I wish I uh, could attribute this quote properly. I don't remember where I heard it, but I think Rick Tockett said something like, uh, Derek Stepan is hired as an assistant coach now. Um, and, and I know he's he's a guy that... What? He said it to a bunch of Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, we were. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was a radio interview or whatever. No. I didn't remember. It was. It was the media scrum. I see. Um, here, 
and he's he will play a, an important role there. And I, I I know that's a sort of a cliche that oh he's still going to be around the team, but with Step in particular, you want that guy around the team. You want his voice of reason to to calm the team in certain situations. I think mm-hmm. he's a guy you should have in the locker room in between periods. Uh, Kyle, since you mentioned him, writes in. I issue hey, the Kyle, what's up? the first sewer fight challenge. Me versus anyone who thinks Rick Tockett is not coach of the year. He also didn't say Jack Adams. He said coach of the year. So he's getting on Craig's good side. I think if they make the playoffs, there's, I think he's going to be invited to Vegas. He should be invited to Vegas, I think, no matter what, unless they just fall apart no, down they, the stretch. I, I'm not a big, I know even if technically he should, I'm not a big fan of inviting non-playoff coaches in that spot. I feel like there's, on, on that so level, you have three that are getting in. I know we touched on this earlier. Well, but Trotz, Peters, and Cooper. You I think would, Cooper would, gets? Yes. Okay. If, assume, again, assuming the Cardinals don't make the playoffs. You're just assuming Tampa makes the playoffs just because they have the best I, I am assuming that Tampa Bay makes the playoffs. I think they'll squeak in. Yeah. Just, just barely. At least it's a wild card spot. It's uh, tough to compete with the Penguins. In the first round series, it should be like a 5 2 split. Yeah, yeah, or they should, yeah. they should they start already clinched. The yeah, they have. Yeah. They've oh, clinched okay. everything. Uh, in uh, November. <laughs> opening night. Yeah. Rhonda writes in the only thing getting me through work are the, well, she mentions two podcasts Spit and Chicklets and the Natural Hattrick. I guess we're, we're allowed. We can, we can like the Spit and Chicklets. See, That's and fine. we gave you more, even more podcasts to get you through work today. Luke didn't want to do that, by the way. Just remember, Luke wanted you to work more today, and the rest of us said, you know what, we're going to give you more Natty Hattie. Just remember that. I remember Luke tried to cut a little bit of Jamie out of your life today. Just remember that. Two hours from now when Jamie's still talking about nonlinear progression, you're going you're gonna to thank me. Yeah, we needed that boost, and we still took five minutes to comment on it. <laughs> Cam writes in, over, under, Grabner scores two more, I think he meant shorthanded goals. Yeah, under. Under. This season, I'm assuming. Yeah, two's a lot. Like, I I know they were scoring at a stupid pace earlier, but two's a lot to ask in 16 games. There's a lot of guys, most players in this league don't even have one. Uh, Under. Oh, I just want to go out there and say he's going to score two just for the fun of it. Well, two would just be a push anyway, so... I'll go with oh Craig going with the push. He could do it on one penalty kill. I mean, we've courage, so it doesn't really seem that. Uh, uh, Paul, hi Paul. What does Craig prefer? No, the, Cam Paul. That was Cam Paul's question just before. Now this is Paul. This is very okay. What do, I'm going through all the Pauls right now. Uh, what does Craig prefer? Post game bus rides through Eastern Canada or weeknight commutes from the East Valley to Gila River Arena? They're both about the same length. Also, yeah. Really close to the same length. <laughs> let's also throw in in March for the Valley traffic. Oh, let's just let's throw that element into that question. So March. Bad. I have to say the bus ride across, okay. you know, from province to province in Canada was actually enjoyable in spite of the hour and the circumstance. Yeah. The Coyotes were pretty upbeat on that bus ride across. I was not upbeat on the Tequila River Arena. The Any, anybody that I saw you, I was going to make it. Not anyone who saw your Twitter feed realizes that. I talked to a few people coming from the East Valley. It took it over two hours. It was really bad. Yeah, you come from the East Valley, don't you, Matt? Uh, yeah, I live in Tempe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not an exaggeration. I used to live there. It, it, and this is what I don't think people outside of the city get. They're like, oh, 30 miles away, big deal. It's a two-hour drive a on a Tuesday night. miles, yeah. You're not getting walk-up traffic because it's a two-hour drive on a Tuesday you're night. you're stuck on the I-10. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes, look, sometimes maybe it's only an hour and 25. I, I use Waze, too. and it, this is the, I felt like I was driving in L.A. because I use Waze when I go to L.A. And I usually rent a car there. And it, it's got you off on all these surface streets to get where you want to go. You're bypassing the freeway. You pass under it. You see it. You get back on it. That's what it was doing to me. And then at one point, it just waved the white flag. It just gave up? I said no idea. <laughs> just take a helicopter. 
Yeah. This is why you're always driving through Rosecrans in, in L.A. That's, that's your excuse is you blame it on Waze. Uh, Robert Nelson, who would fetch a bigger trade return, Kemper or Ronta? Which Coyotes player has taken the biggest positive leap in their career this season? That's two different questions, so, Robert. So with the first one, one, I don't think they're going to trade either because this league is becoming increasingly more likely to use two goalies. Yeah. Uh, where there are just fewer elite options at the very top than I feel like there have been even six, seven years ago. And injuries, obviously, are, are pretty prevalent. Um, but to answer the question hypothetically, it would... Pr- Ronta, maybe, Ronta. but 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 Ronta's injury history, and he's got money left on money left on the deal. Where Kemper's got a one year, one year at a very reasonable rate. I actually think Kemper might fetch them a very similar in this hypothetical scenario, a very similar return just because of the money and the injury history for Ronta. Yes, I agree. Ronta's got a four point two five cap hit over uh, through twenty twenty one. Uh, excuse me, 2020-2021 season. Uh, Darcy Kemper is signed through next year at 1.85, so a significantly lower cap. Kemper would be easier to trade. I think Ronta would get you more back. If somebody was actually willing to trade you for Ronta, they're going to have to give you something. I think that team would have to see that Ronta's healthy again. Yeah. Stay healthy, though, after the last two seasons. But it is going to be interesting. You know, I'm not saying that this means anything, but when I was asking John Chaika about Darcy Kemper and where this team would be without him, we all know the, the story. They... They died last year because their backup situation was so bad with Louis Domingue and a bunch of other guys who just were utterly miserable in goal for them. So we went out and got Darcy Kemper for Tobias Reed. Does Toby Reader have a goal yet? Uh, he has as many as Kemper does this year. Okay. So where is this team without Darcy Kemper? You can make a strong argument. He's their MVP right now. I asked John about the offseason. He said, we'll see where we get to in the offseason because you've got two guys that have proven they can play like number ones. I think they get Darcy Kemper right away. I don't think they trade him in the summer because you don't know if Ronta can stay healthy. Exactly. A bunch of injuries. So you got to make sure that you've got that position solidified. But if they get to a point next season where he is back to what we saw, you know, when he was playing that incredible stretch where he was best goalie in the league statistically, there might be a market for Darcy Kemper, and you might have to think about that, especially because you've got... Maybe Aiden Hill chomping at the bit to be to move into a backup role, and yeah. you've got a nice pipeline of goaltenders. They're really high on, on Prosvetov as well, so it might be something you look at. The one thing that's interesting there is, I mean, obviously if Ranta is pl- is uninjured and is playing out of his mind, or he's just playing the way he has been playing when he's healthy with Arizona, it changes things. But if he's not, if maybe he's dealing with some soft tissue injuries, I wonder how much the Devin Dubnik trade lingers. Of do you make a move when you have a player that is playing well for you? Do you trade that backup goaltender instead of re-signing him when you have some question marks at your main goalie spot, even though there is term and dollars left on that deal? That's my only concern because if you're looking two, three years down the line, that is your playoff window. You expect to be competing for a top three spot in the Pacific at that point, correct? Yeah. So that has to be a consideration. The other thing that's a consideration is how much would Darcy Kemper want on an extension? Because I think if you're paying two goalies four plus million a year, that might be real. That really might hurt your ability to go out and sign other players. Because let's realistically, the Kyrs are not going to be a cap team, and they're not going to be in the near future. Uh, I would say this: I, I did this research for the game the other night, so it's it's Kemper's numbers are thrown off by one game. But as great as Kemper has been, and so now he's fifteen four and three since January first, a nine twenty six save percentage, two twenty four goals against average. This was Ronta after January first last year. 16, 6, and 4, but a 942 save percentage. So 16 points higher than Kemper's even been this year, and a 1.84 goals against average, which both of those were number one in the entire NHL. We said it at the time. Monty Ronta plays 10 more games that season. I, I he wins the Vezina. I think he wins the Vezina trophy, yeah. 
Uh, let's see, a couple more of these. Well, Lisa writes in, what do the Coyotes have to do to get more people to come to the games? I think we just answered that. Yeah. Eliminate the two-hour commute by moving to where the people yes, are. Yes, move move with him. By the way, interesting thing. It really is that simple, too. At first, I didn't think it was quite that simple. No, like winning is. and everything. Move to where all the hockey fans are. That's most of it. Yeah. Yes, that's like 90% yes. of it. You do that and, and you feel the competitive team. You've solved that problem. You can't get walked. They've traffic. sold those stadiums out before. Like yeah. this is. Yeah. It's not like they've. Yeah. Yes. But you can't. You you cannot get walk up traffic on a weeknight where they are right now. Yeah. It's impossible. Correct. And it doesn't help either that it takes forever to get home now too because the I ten is narrowed to one lane. Forever. It's so bad. That is ridiculous. You, you, oh, you have to. You have to. Yeah. 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 That should at least be done this summer. And, and look, I, you can look at other cities and say the commute there is horrible too. But there's. You have to understand the culture here, too. And I know, I know people back in the East Coast say, well, that's just ridiculous. Change your culture. No, it's just, it's just how people are. live out here, okay? People yeah. aren't going to drive two hours to go to a hockey game out here. It doesn't happen out here. Or anything, yeah, really. Deal with that. When I was a kid, we drove to Chicago Stadium. Sometimes it took two hours to get downtown, and it was awful. But it's, Sometimes. It's a different culture. It's, it's, it's a, a different feel. It's a different mentality. There is no public transportation, which, again, I don't think people that live back east can fully grasp how terrible the public transportation is in California or in Arizona. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's it's different. And a lot of people... developed around the automobile. And they, they were built around the automobile rather than this core when we didn't have cars. Exactly. I mean, again, look at the map, the grid system that they've built, literally of roads. It's, it's got really it's historic. That. Also, the reality True. is, and it, this is the harsh truth, for a lot of people, the Coyotes are their second team. Yeah. They grew up somewhere else and they fell in love with that team. And there's a little bit of a difference. They love hockey and they like the Coyotes, but it's not the same level of passion as if they were their childhood favorite team. That's part of it. Was there. But I always thought, and for the longest time, I thought it's like, okay, it's about a third what Jamie just said. It's a third. Yeah, I win some games because they do sell out every time they're in the playoffs or close to the playoffs or whatever. And then it's a third of location. It's it's honestly, it's like 95% location for me at this point because I've heard the argument of like, well, sometimes it takes an hour and a half to get to downtown New York for a game. Okay. There's a difference between. Hey, I'm in this part of New York and I'm going here to go to downtown New York and I can get dinner here, this or whatever. And it's just a whole evening on the way there as opposed to I have to drive through the desert for two hours on a two. I'm not going to. How many people are just going to grab their family on a Tuesday night and say, let's go see the Coyotes play Nashville? You have to make the choice at like three in the afternoon. Well, and this is also the issue with and, and I know there are some stadiums that are outside the normal city limits, but and they also have their own attendance issues. But a lot of people, if you're going to a Rangers game, yes, getting in and out of MSG is a nightmare and it's always going to Anything be. in but downtown New York But a lot of people is... work in Manhattan. Yeah. So the, the commute from their job there. So we saw attendance numbers that were much better when they were in downtown Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. I think East Coast people, Midwest people are conditioned to suffering. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Your climate sucks. So there's not as much to do. There's not as much. Life is just easier out here. So we're, we're going to take that path if we can uh, let's see. I like this one from Coach East Jack. If you were a multi-billionaire and owned your own NHL team, considering your current hockey knowledge, would you be your own team's GM? If not, do you think you'd meddle too much in day-to-day operations to a fault? I uh, So I would like to say that I wouldn't meddle as much, but I know better. You would. You always should hire people that know what they're doing, know more than you for positions like that. Yeah. Always. Because you can learn a lot. Again, with my current... Hockey knowledge? Would I want to be the GM? Yes. Well, would you appoint? Would you yeah. Would you appoint chance? yourself? Ge- so would you Jerry Jones yourself? Would you put appoint yourself? No. Judge, jury, and executioner of your team if you owned it. Let me alter the question a little bit. Would you rather be a GM or an owner? I'd rather be a GM. Owners make more money. I'd rather I'd be, an be an owner. Owner. I, just the I will. I, I will aspect. take both. If there's a, if there's a GM position out there, I will gladly accept it. Okay. So owner GM like Robert Sarver. 
Well, I think that's where this question is <laughs> yeah. coming from because it's here in Phoenix. But uh, I'd rather, I'd much rather be a GM than an owner. Owners usually don't get no, fired. I think it was based on that. Luke. Why would you rather be a GM than an owner? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that one the, at all. Just the com- you're you're more involved in the competition as a GM, whereas an owner, yeah, you're right. You're loaded. You're making a bunch of money. I'd rather not uh, yeah. get fired. No, I know. But owners are tough. Tough to fire the owner. Well, I don't want the easy path like Jamie does. I want. I want to actually. I want to. I want to be a part of winning a Stanley Cup. I want the easy path because I want to sit in a suite and drink IPAs during well, the game. <laughs> Uh, let's a see. A gray suite? Which, which shade? Oh, no, it's flannel, actually. Flannel wallpaper. Oh, God. Oh, I like that. What are you, in Calgary? Um, here, let's wrap it up with one more here. Okay. Because, uh, uh, like, Clinton wrote in and asked about the point Bill system, Clinton. but we already, yes, Bill Clinton wrote in and asked mm. about the no, point system. I am listening. <laughs> uh, the last one we'll go with, because we already discussed that. I was just throwing his name out there because he uh, asked it. And now I lost the question. Stop scrolling. I can't. I, it's something. This I show was going. It was going so well, and then you just you've extended it now. Kevin, would it be better if for the Coyotes to make the playoffs this year and not be in the draft lottery, or miss and be in the lottery? Put aside the fact that the Coyotes have never had success with the lottery. So this well, is I a, can't. This is a great question. This is a great question <laughs> yeah. because I, I I saw this in the show notes and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I don't know I didn't have anything better to do. Um, Wait, you were thinking when the season began, my answer would be. Not make the playoffs, be in the draft lottery. Okay. But given where they are in the standings now and the incredibly low percentage chance that they actually move into the top three, I now think it would be better for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, because I think now you're looking at the difference between like the 14th pick in the draft and the 17th pick in the draft, potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, I know he said put this aside, but even if they had the worst record, they wouldn't get the first pick, so it doesn't matter. Sure. I mean, if, if we could assure that they'd end up in the top five, I'd still go that route. Sure, would but you? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I would do it. Absolutely. I would do it if you could assure me top two, I would say. Okay. Even top five. Well, top two would be great. I mean, clearly there, there, is, there is a class of the top two that we believe right now, but they'll change 800 times between now and, and draft day. What about Colorado, too? I mean, you had this in the notes, we didn't get to it, but I mean, if they miss the playoffs, which it seems like Minnesota is going to waste one of those spots, so Colorado might miss the playoffs, they could feasibly pick like first and fifth. That's or, not, first and, or first and second, or technically. Or first and second, yeah. They technically can, fin- they can pick twice <laughs> in the top three. What if, what if Colorado picks first and second? Gets Hughes and, and was it Kako? Kako, yeah. Kako? That's to add to McKinnon and Rontanen. And they'll and, still give up eight million goals a year? Yeah, they never address goaltending. Or, they can trade uh, Hughes Sign for Or Quickly, the, the, the thing I would say is the difference, though, is that with Colorado, they have pretty high-end players on their roster that they need to add around, and it would be helpful if they pick in the top end of the the draft lottery and add guys that get to the NHL quickly on ELCs to play with McKinnon and Landeskog, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. However, anyway. yes, however, they are. I w- the thing I would say is different about the Coyotes is that it would probably, for me personally, I think it, maybe in the short term at least, it would do more for the team to be a playoff team, to draw people to their building, to get free agent interest in the Coyotes. Maybe get that, yeah, get ownership interest exactly that don't discount that because you could say oh well what difference does it make to make the playoffs and have it be a first round exit i say it makes a lot of difference for the reasons i just mentioned well and and the point with the codes and what's different than columbus is that they were there weren't assets for the codes to sell the reality here is you're talking most likely a three or four pick difference in the middle or a two percent chance you really you're risking a two percent chance that you'd pick in the top three yeah so th- that's what you're risking here, and I think it does matter. And getting two extra home sellouts minimum also matters. Maybe yeah. even three home sellouts if you get to a game six of the first round. That's why to me it's that the cutoff would be like if you could assure me a top, let's say three pick. Let's be real. Um, I think what Matt's saying has a lot of 
validity to it. There's there's more value to the Coyotes making the playoffs this year than there is to Colorado, I would say. Or certainly to Minnesota, who's going to get there. All right, we got anything else? I got nothing. Should we? I should point this out, as Jamie and I have argued on Twitter over the last week about Leon Dreisaitl, who I never said they should trade. Um, this is the point we left out. Oh, so before, before you get to that Leon Dreisaitl part, uh, so here are the current per- percentage chance that the Coyotes would move into the top three. Okay. okay? They have a 2% chance, from where they are on the standings now, a 2% chance at the first pick, a 2.2% chance at the second pick, and a 2.4% chance at the third pick. It's not going to happen. Ooh. So to me, at those... 7%. At those numbers... It's a 6.6% chance to move into the top They don't three. pick in the top two when they have a 75% chance of picking in the top two. They're so, not going to move up when they have a 4% to chance. To me, the value of making the postseason and playing two or three home games in the postseason far outweighs the 6% chance that you pick in the top three. Yeah. What, what we didn't uh, factor in with dry side, I don't know why. Um, the Oilers are going to get Jack Hughes in the draft anyway because they always win the lottery. So well, there's I no thought point. we just decided Colorado's getting Jack Hughes. Yeah, but when I said that, I realized, wait, Edmonton's going to miss the playoffs and they are... They have a 5% chance right now of getting the number one pick. Do you mean 105%? <laughs> All right, it's going to do it for us. For well, I gotta Did you want to make a Didn't you want to make a Leon Dreisaitl point? That was my point. Oh. That you were wrong last week. No, I was never and wrong. That, yeah, no, you misquoted me. So that's why you were wrong. But also, none of it matters because the Oilers are going to get Hughes in the lottery. So no, I know. I know. I, did, I misquoted you on purpose. I know. But I'm, I'm saying... to point because you don't respond to me on social they're media. At it again, Because the whole, the whole debate was moot at the point I remembered that the Oilers will just get Jack Hughes so they can't trade with themselves. You see what I, I, deal, been, with? What I deal with? It should have been moot at you the sure point. You sure you want to come back uh, next week? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Guys. It was a pleasure. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks to, uh, for, for Matt Lehman. And uh, I don't want to thank Jamie Eisner. So for Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to an hour and a half edition of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Seriously, why was Matt here?